Let's talk about sometimes I forget to celebrate. I'm a task-oriented person, and so I am always working towards the next thing that needs to be done, the next crisis to manage, the next person to connect with. As a result, I don't tend to look back at what has been accomplished or how far I might have come on the journey. I don't tend to celebrate progress because I don't often pause to notice it. I don't think of landmark events in life, and if I do, I don't think to celebrate. I'm not a big fan of the fuss made over birthdays and anniversaries. Sometimes I forget to celebrate. The three exceptions regarding celebrating are November the 8th, the anniversary of my physical healing, November the 9th, the anniversary of my salvation, and February the 9th, the anniversary of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those I celebrate, and I mean celebrate, make a fuss, do something special, get excited. Most people celebrate past events, birthdays, anniversaries, deaths, major events that happen to them in life, like these three, my healing, my salvation, and my baptism in the Holy Spirit. Very few people celebrate future events, and yet everyone needs something to look forward to. As believers, we should be looking forward to being with Jesus in heaven one day. That's something to celebrate. However, again, I forget to celebrate. This is not something we think about on a regular basis, but maybe it should be. The Apostle Peter said something important about this. He reveals an attitude that I think we should have about heaven. And as I read the scriptures, I want you to notice the phrase looking forward, the references to looking forward. And we're going to be reading from 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 11, partway through, and reading to verse 14. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. We have something to celebrate. We're heading home to heaven. And every day, we are one day closer. We could even be anxious about it. Remember, as kids on a long drive somewhere, and as we were getting near it, we would be saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Anxious to arrive? Well, maybe we need to get that kind of feeling about going home to heaven. Many of the well-known Bible characters celebrated forward, not always backwards. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10, For we are looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Even Jesus longed for heaven, knew he was headed there, headed home, and thought his disciples should celebrate this future event. John chapter 14, verse 28, If you love me, you would be glad, you would rejoice, you would celebrate that I'm going to the Father. In those verses from Peter, in his writing, three times he tells us to look forward, to anticipate what God has for us in the future. You know, the return of Jesus, the creation of a new heaven and a new earth, 
An eternal home built just for you and me in heaven? An eternity without pain, sorrow, suffering, sickness, or disease? A reunion with loved ones who knew Jesus and died before us? Celebrate. All these things are in our future. These are all promises that God made to us. We should look forward to that place, that city, that new Jerusalem, where we will spend eternity. Our anticipation, our looking forward to that reward, should empower us to live holy, godly, purposeful lives in this present age. Our anticipation should enable us to live with a sense of excitement and celebration even now. It should even anticipate and look forward to celebrating each and every day because we know that what we do today matters and may help someone else to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And boy, if someone receives the Lord and Savior through your ministry, your example, your life, there's a powerful celebration in heaven that is triggered. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 to 10. Or imagine a woman who has lost 10 coins. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking at every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Let me tell you a story. Angie Shepherd grew up in a small town in, in scenic Nova Scotia, Canada. At age 10, she became enthralled with Southern California, particularly the city of Los Angeles. She watched television shows filmed there, was fascinated by the big city, the celebrity lifestyle, the glitter, the palm trees, the incredible weather. Angie learned that 323 was one of the area codes for the Los Angeles area, and she would get on the phone and dial 1-323 and then seven random numbers. Sometimes the call would be answered, and Angie would say, Hi, is this L.A.? And when the person said yes, Angie would hang up, thrilled to have talked to somebody in Los Angeles. Her calls came to an end when her dad saw the phone bill, but her dreams did not end. Angie always imagined that one day she would live in Los Angeles. I don't know when or how I was going to get there, she recalls. I just knew for certain I was going to leave my small town and live out my dreams in Los Angeles. She was 24 when she visited California for the first time with a one-way ticket. Today, Angie still calls L.A. home. She's living her dream. Angie's story interests me because she longed for a city. That city occupied her mind day and night and its glittering allure drove her dreams and guided her life. She even called to talk to random people simply because they lived in the L.A. area code. Folks, anticipation for the heavenly city of God should be the driving force of our lives, especially because through prayer, we can stay in constant communication with someone who already lives there, Jesus. The Bible states, Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. C.S. Lewis says, A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, 
a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most did the, who did the most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. He continues, the apostles themselves who set foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Aim for heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. C.S. Lewis. So what then can we expect in heaven that we can celebrate even now? What kind of celebrations will we discover in God's eternal home? Well, number one, something to look forward to when we get to heaven, something that we can celebrate now would be, number one, look forward to a rousing welcome. Most of us are a little, or seriously in a big way, apprehensive about dying. Like the ancient Israelites crossing the Jordan, we have not passed this way before. But the Bible's full of information to alleviate your concern. The Apostle Peter said that if you serve the Lord Jesus faithfully, 2 Peter 1.11, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's easy, by the way, to underestimate these words. Another story. Recently, a little boy in Ohio named Grady went back to school after having been diagnosed with leukemia. He had missed a full year with his classmates because of his treatments, but finally he was able to return for a few hours a day. On his first day back, the principal met him and opened the door and in front of Grady were all the students and teachers lining the hall holding strands of bright crepe paper. They yelled and cheered as eight-year-old Grady ran between them. At the end of the hall, the giant sign said, Welcome back, Grady. The children clapped, the children laughed, teachers wiped tears from their eyes. After arriving home that day, Grady said, This was the best day ever, Mum. I had so much fun. I didn't know days could be this good. If school children could pull off a welcome celebration like that, think of what Almighty God and his angels can do. I promised a rich welcome into heaven. It will be your best day ever, and you can't imagine that a day could be so good. And so one of the reasons we celebrate is that we look forward to a rousing welcome. Let me tell you another story. Singer Michael Blue Bay, Blue Bay loved his grandfather, Don Dimitrio Santega, who built a house in Vancouver 50 years ago and lived in it until his dying day. Santega loved his house and hoped it would stay in his family after his death. During the final eight years of his life, Santega was able to live alone, but Michael Blue Bay hired a Philippian healthcare worker named Mineta to care for him. At first, Santega resented having a nurse, but the two quickly became close. Buble and Santega came to view Mineta as part of the family, and near the end of his life, Santega shared his final wish with his grandson.
When the older man died, Mineta took the opportunity to return to the Philippines to visit her family, whom she had been supporting with her income. And while she was gone, Jonathan and Drew Scott, the celebrity property brothers, came to Vancouver and did expense extensive renovations on Santega's home. It was an amazing makeover. And when Mineta returned, he, she was met with television cameras from the crew of Celebrity IOU. Michael opened the door, ushered her in, saying, Welcome home. Mineta's hands flew to her mouth and her eyes filled with tears. She said, It is so much, so, so much, I, I really have no words right now. It hasn't sunk in yet. It's beautiful. You can only imagine what it's going to mean to her, said Blueblay. We can expect to receive a rich welcome when we are transported by the angels in heaven and Jesus opens the door and says, Welcome to your new home. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's Matthew 25, 21. He's gone ahead to prepare your future home. You can only imagine what it will be like and celebrate now that this is in your future. Secondly, we look forward to a rich reward. Among the joys Jesus mentioned will be the rewards given for faithfulness on earth. If you live life according to biblical principles, there's a series of rewards for you described in the Bible. Jesus often said things like, Matthew 10, verse 42, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus said, Luke 6, 23, Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Jesus said in Luke 6, 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Paul the Apostle picked up the theme of rewards, saying, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Hebrews eleven six says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Bible states that there are five crowns that are rewarded to believers according to the work that we do for the Lord while here on earth. What we did with what we've been given. Our ability, talents, skills, intelligence, time, energy, finances, relationships... And those five, and I'm going to just mention them briefly, but you can go online to www.ralphhowministries.com and search for Rewards According to the Bible, and you'll have a three-page document that will give you the details in full of these rewards. The rewards are, number one, the crown of life, James chapter 1, verse 12, given to those who are faithful until the day they die. Number two, the wreath, of, sorry, the crown that's called the victor's crown, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, given to those who do give whatever it takes to fulfill their God-given destiny. Number three, the crown of exaltation or the crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, given to those who are soul winners. 
Number four, the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, verses 5 to 8, given to those who live a righteous lifestyle as they wait for the second coming. And number five, the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 2 to 4, given to those who cared for and were compassionate towards others. Again, you can find those at www.rothhowministries.com. Just search for rewards or rewards according to the Bible. The third thing we have to look forward to, we look forward to a resurrected body. And that is something to celebrate because I'm a little weary of the body that I have now. At the moment of our resurrection or rapture, we are going to celebrate our new glorified bodies. Lazarus rose from the dead and they had to unwrap his body. Jesus rose and his resurrection body passed right through his grave clothes. Lazarus rose to die again. Jesus rose never again to die, never again to age, to experience illness, face weaknesses, or encounter death. And like Jesus, Philippians 3 verse 21 says that the Lord will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. At the moment of resurrection or rapture, if you are still alive when Jesus returns, it says we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. That's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Jesus' resurrected body was incapable of aging, could not become ill, would never cease to exist or die, capable of passing through solid structures, capable of ascending into the air, capable of eating food, touching his friends. His resurrection body is the pattern of our own resurrection body, and that is something to celebrate. Number four, we need to look forward to a renewed assignment, and that again is something to celebrate. Looking forward to a renewed assignment, something that God wants us to do. And you will need your resurrection body because you have a lot of work ahead of you. One of the greatest aspects of heaven involves the prospect of more service for the Lord. This is good. I have little interest in sitting and relaxing for eons on end. You need some refreshing rest, but not aimless monotony. Twice in the book of Revelation we are told we will be involved in meaningful tasks and acts of service in heaven. Revelation 7:15. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. Revelation 22:3. No longer will, be the, will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will serve him. Randy Alcorn wrote extensively about this in his book on heaven, which if you haven't read, you should. It's a long read, but a good one. And he says, I quote, Work in heaven won't be frustrating or fruitless. Instead, it will involve lasting accomplishment, unhindered by decay and fate, enhanced by unlimited resources. We'll approach our work with the enthusiasm we bring to our favorite sport or hobby. He goes on to say, In heaven we'll reign with Christ, exercise leadership and authority, and make important decisions. This implies we'll be given specific responsibilities by our leaders, and we'll delegate specific responsibilities to those under our leadership. We'll set goals, 
devise plans, share ideas. Our best work days on the present earth are just a small foretaste of the joy our work will bring us on the new earth. When Jesus ascended and returned to heaven, he didn't retire from his work. He resumed his place on the throne, sustaining the universe, Colossians 1.17. He was and is building and directing the work of his earthly church, Matthew 16.18. He's interceding for us, Romans 8.34. He's building our future homes, preparing a place for us, John 14.3. So just like Jesus, we too will have some very interesting and purposeful work when we get to heaven. Jesus said, My Father is always working, and so am I. That's John 5, verse 17 in the NIV version. If Jesus is busy in heaven, how wonderful to be able to share in his work. Your work on earth, whatever God is asking you to do right now, is preparing you for future work in heaven, and that is something worth celebrating. Number five, we are to look forward to the royal throne. By far the greatest energy and enthusiasm in heaven will be around the throne of God when we cast our crowns at his feet and worship him with full understanding and joy. When you read Revelation chapters four and five, you get a sneak peek at what, is going, what it's going to be like. Revelation 5.13 says, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and forever. Can you just imagine the moment when tens of millions of us join the tens of millions of angels, all of our disabilities gone, all our problems solved, all our burdens lifted, and we lift our voices in a choir of billions and sing of God's amazing grace. That is something to celebrate. We have that to look forward to. Number six, we look forward to an amazing reunion. And again, that is something to celebrate. As you gather around the throne, you will look over and see your loved ones who died in Christ. And you will instantly know each other, and you will begin fellowshipping in heaven where you left off here on earth. All the saints of all the ages will be there, plus all the angels. No more separation, no more sorrow. You will see all your loved ones who are believers and who went to heaven ahead of you. Our lives are ordered by the Lord, and he brings us together on earth in friendships and marriages, family units, relationships, and fellowship. And the same God who brought us together the first time here on earth will reunite us, and we will pick up where we left off, minus all disagreements and personality conflicts. Bill Bright, an evangelist and founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, wrote just before he died in 2003, I quote, No reunion in history can even foreshadow what joy we will experience when we see loved ones and friends who went on before us. We are known, we are recognized, and we identify our loved ones, family, and friends, brought together in all the exquisite, all-surrounding presence of God. Our faces beam. 
Our countenances gleam, and we shout in such delight that angels glance at each other in wonderment. What full-throated, glad-hearted welcomes these blood-washed sinners give each other. How they adore the Lord Jesus. How they love him. How they love each other. So we have an amazing reunion to look forward to. And then number seven, we look forward to the risen Savior. And this is the single greatest anticipation about heaven, that we're going to see our risen Savior. You will see Jesus himself face to face. Revelation 22, 4, they shall see his face. This is your ultimate goal. This will be the single most phenomenal moment of your life. This is what you're living for, what you're waiting for, what you are anticipating with all your heart, or should be. This is celebration with a capital C. For Christ, you shall behold him. As the blind poet Fanny, <clears throat> Fanny Crosby proclaimed, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. And you know, the closer we get to heaven, the greater our longing for Jesus' face. What do you think you will be doing an hour after you die? The answer from the scriptures, you will be doing the same thing you were doing an hour before you died, seeking to please Jesus in all that we are and do. 2 Corinthians 5.9 in the Living Bible. So our aim is to please him always in everything we do, whether we are here in this body or away from this body and with him in heaven. So what do you think you're going to be doing an hour after you die? The answer from the scriptures for believers, you will be doing the same thing you were doing an hour before you died, seeking to please Jesus in all we are and all we do. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9, so our aim is to please him always in everything we do, whether we are here in this body or away from this body and with him in heaven. So you may change, but you don't change your core purpose in life. Your location may change, but you don't change your core purpose in life. The things that please Christ on earth will please him in heaven, and our task is always to please him in everything we do. So we have a lot to look forward to. That's my point. And thus, we have a lot to celebrate. And sometimes I forget all this. I forget to celebrate. But you know, I shouldn't. And I know I shouldn't. As we have such an amazing Jesus, and more than an amazing future forever, for all of eternity, with Jesus.